Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go to John chapter 7, and we want to continue with this that we've been on, Skilled in the Flow. Uh... Dealing with the Holy Spirit and the things that Jesus said that he would be to us. And uh, in John chapter 7, we want to start in verse 37. It says that concerning Jesus, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, You know, I love it that Jesus uses phrases like that. If anybody. When when he was talking to Nicodemus in John 3, he said, God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him. Right? Isn't that beautiful? So he says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his spirit, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water but this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified and we've explained that this is the Feast of Tabernacles this is a time of rejoicing as a matter of fact scholars have written on this uh, about this time of rejoicing that unless you had seen them rejoice at the Feast of Tabernacles you didn't know what rejoicing was Because they were dancing in the streets, they were rejoicing, they would bring the Torah out in what they called an ark, and they would dance through the streets with it. It was a time of rejoicing, it was a time of great exultation, uh, celebrating their deliverance. And in this setting, the priest would bring water from the pool of Siloam, which flowed underneath the temple, and... uh, he would bring it in a golden pitcher. It was significant or a symbol of the the water that came out of the rock in Exodus chapter 17. And he would bring it to the temple and he would pour it out on the altar as a sacrifice to God. And during the procession, they would quote Isaiah 12, 3, with joy you'll draw water out of the wells of salvation. And it's in this setting that Jesus stands up and in the Greek it's an emphatic statement because he's looking at all these people that are rejoicing and they're watching this drink offering be poured out and in that setting he stands up and cries notice what it says he stands up and cries he he is crying with a loud voice and it's emphatic if any of you all are thirsty come to me hallelujah because I've got something that I want to give you that will produce a flow in your life that will answer every need that you may have. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So Jesus said the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit was that rivers, notice, rivers of living water would flow from our spirits. So there's a Holy Spirit flow for every area of our life. I've talked to ministers before and they say, I just don't know what to do, I'm burnt out. I said, you're not in the flow for your ministry then. 
Ministers aren't supposed to burn out. We're supposed to burn bright. Amen. I've had people ask me, don't you ever get burnt out? What do you mean? I've got the Holy Ghost. How can I get burnt out? The Holy Ghost is called oil. He's called water. The oil lubes the gears of the ministry and the water keeps me fresh. You can't lose with that. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But, that, but in the same sense, there's a flow for your marriage. There's a flow for your family. There's a flow for your finances. When you get the Holy Spirit involved in what you're doing and what you're putting your hand to, you have an advantage immediately because you have the divine genius now that can tell you what you need to do, when you need to do it, and that is a constant flow. If I'm listening, he's always talking. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So he says there are seven different things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. Now, I'm not going to take the time to give you the, the references, but they're all found in John 14 and 16. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. And it says, He will teach us all things, bring to our remembrance what is taught, reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, guide us into all truth, speak what He hears, show us things to come, and glorify Jesus. Now, He says that those are, and so we've talked about this, these are those seven different flows of the Holy Spirit. Seven, when you look through the Word of God, is the number of the Holy Spirit. It's also the number of God. Well, they're one. These three are one. And so it's, it's the number of perfection. It's the number of God. Whenever you see the Holy Spirit referenced, you'll see Him generally referenced in sevens. The seven spirits of God, the seven golden candlesticks, uh, the menorah that, the, that the, the Jewish people use. Is it, it has seven different uh, candlesticks on it because it represents uh, the Holy Spirit. But notice that he says there are these different flows that we can enter into. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. Still in the flow. If I have something at my disposal, it behooves me to be skilled with it. Skilled in the flow. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. Notice what it says. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What things we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So notice what Paul says. That every believer has received the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. Amen. I don't believe that, you, that there's anyone here this way, but if you are, that, that's fine. It can be remedied. But when you got born again, you received the Holy Spirit to indwell you. Of course, there's a subsequent experience, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which results in the speaking of other tongues. But every believer, for the sake of our teaching, every believer has received the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Say that out loud. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Now that's important that you keep that in your mind and in, in your consciousness because you are walking around with the presence of God in you. Very often I hear people say, well, I just need to get in God's presence. I understand what you mean by that, but the presence of God is always with you. Right? Amen. Now, here's the thing. 
He lives in us. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Notice in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. You are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Then in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. Hallelujah. Now, very often, that's, that's, that's used and taught, you know, in the sense that you're not your own. So, you know, and, and I understand and that's applicable. But notice something. This is so important. Look at this emphasis. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. So that lines up with what Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter that will come and live with you forever. Is that right? So notice this. He says twice, Paul says, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. That word temple speaks specifically. Now, if you look it up and, 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 and read it, it speaks specifically of the Holy of Holies or the inner sanctuary where the presence of God dwelt. The root of this word temple means to dwell. And so when you think of that, you have to think in these terms that the Holy of Holies moved and it did not just move from an earthly place to a heavenly place, it moved inside me. The same Shekinah glory that was behind the curtain in the Old Testament tabernacle is on the inside of me right now, yet in a greater measure. What I have on the inside of me and what you have on the inside of you, the blessed Holy Spirit, is in you in a stronger measure than was ever experienced in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. And He's there for my benefit. He's there for my advancement. He's there for my help. Glory be to God. Remember when the people needed an answer in the Old Testament? They, they had to send the priest into the holy place. And he would go in and inquire of God for the people. And he stood between God and the people and was God's mouthpiece. Well, the Bible says that when you got born again in Romans chapter 8 and Romans chapter 6, it says that the Holy Spirit of God has been sent into your heart crying, Abba, Father. So notice, I do not need a go-between to hear the voice of God. I have the voice of God in me. It's the Holy Spirit. I have more access than anyone had in the Old Testament. Moses who stood in the presence of God and talked face to face with God, yet he did not have access to the Spirit of God like we do. He could not carry the Spirit of God. When you got born again, you were not only recreated a new creature, you were not only born again and forgiven of your sins, you became the dwelling place of God Himself. <laughs> Glory to God. And He's, he's there right now. Right now. 
And notice Jesus said he would dwell with you forever. Forever. So there's not a day that I don't have access to him. There's not a moment, not an hour, not a second, not a time that I don't have access to all I have to do is look inwardly. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to go behind a curtain. I've got that presence on the inside of me right now. Oh, glory to God. So the temple, the Holy of Holies, is in you. In you right now. Hallelujah. And so, so when, when I don't have to go somewhere to see the house of God, I am the house of God. God dwells on the inside of me. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> Look, notice in John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, very often that, that, that's taken out of its setting, just quoted as a standalone verse. But in reality... You're, you're not going to get the full import of it if you don't read what he says after. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, so you love me and you're keeping my commandments and here's what I'll do. And I will pray or I will ask or I will petition the Father and he will give you another comforter that he, the other comforter, may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. No, the original Greek says the spirit that is of the truth. The spirit of the truth. Which the world cannot receive because it doesn't seem, neither knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Oh, glory. Dwells with you and shall be in you. Now let me say something before I teach on in this. You know, there are times that you hear things in the days we live in, anytime, but especially in the days we live in, you'll hear something on the news or you hear some, somebody say something, and right here, you'll just know, that's not right. What is that? Spirit of truth. What do you need to do? Go with what he said. That's not right. Right? Well, this is what's going to happen. No, that's not what's going to happen because I heard right here that's not right. Yeah, but every other outlet's saying that's right. It doesn't matter if every other outlet, if your cousin, your mama, Pookie, Ray Ray, Chiquita, all of them, if they're all saying this isn't right, but yet you know in your spirit it's right, that's what you stay with. Let, let me include everybody, and Billy Bob, and Jimmy Ray, and Joe Bob, all of them. and Raphael, and Maria, and whoever. <laughs> right? Because you know how it is. You'll, you'll, you, boy, you'll, just, you'll come out of a time of prayer, you'll come out of a time of the work, and you'll get a phone call. Oh, girl, I was just watching Fox. And, you know, I know what Reverend said, but this is what they said. But what the Spirit say? Because He's the Spirit of truth. And so when, when you come to understand that, you're never wrong. You're never, Lord, help me say this correctly. You are never just being, you're never being foolish. You're never being uh, uh, un, unwise when you go with what the Spirit's saying. Because He's the Spirit of truth. 
Oh, glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. So notice he says, the world cannot receive him. Why? Because the world doesn't know truth. Remember Pilate? Jesus said, if, 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 you know, the words I speak are truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? He didn't know what truth was. The world doesn't know what truth is. They allow truth to be formed for them by other people. We know that the Word of God, John 17, 17 says, the Word is truth. The Spirit bears witness to the truth. We know what the truth is because we have the Spirit that is of the truth. Oh, glory. The relationship with the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Father in response to the prayer of Jesus. So Jesus said, I will pray the Father. I will ask the Father. I'll petition the Father. Father, I'm asking you that when I leave, send them another comforter. Send them another comforter. Right? Because remember what Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. Right? I won't leave you alone. That, that's how they were feeling. Well, you're going away. What are we going to do? Oh, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a comforter. And he'll guide you into all truth. He'll show you things to come. That word another, it means of the same quality or kind. Or of the same kind that I am. The same kind that I am. When you recognize and you understand the relationship of the Trinity, you really can't understand the Holy Spirit in His fullness until you understand all the roles of the Trinity. When, when you see something like this, the Holy Spirit is referred to in Scripture as the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Jesus. He has all of their attributes because they're one. Do you see this? And so when Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and He'll send you another comforter, and as we said, meaning of the same quality or kind, or the same kind that I am. How is that possible? They're one. You do not just carry the Spirit on the inside of you. You carry the Godhead on the inside of you. Because when you get one of them, you get all of them. And when you get all of them, you get each individual. Amen. The Woos Bible says, As for myself, I will ask the Father and another counselor of the same kind as I am, he will give to you in order that he might be with you forever. That he might be with you forever. Notice he said, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. They didn't know they knew him. How did they know him? Jesus. He said he dwells with you in the person of Jesus, but he's going to be in you. You know him, you just don't know you know him. Hallelujah. So he's just, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. So if I want to get to know Jesus on a more intimate level, I get to know the Holy Spirit on a more intimate level. And when I spend time communing with the Holy Spirit, I'm communicating with the Father and I'm communicating with the Son. Amen. Because he's just like Jesus. That word, he said he would be a comforter. That word comforter, it means uh, to teach, to counsel, to advise. I like this one, to coach. 
to teach, to counsel, to advise, to coach. And so all of those things are so important because they're, they're flows that we need. I need a flow of teaching. Teach me how to do this. Advise me about what to do. Counsel me. Coach me. The Holy Spirit will do that in, what, in whatever area. But there, you have to, the Holy Spirit, we say this very often, we'll say this, He's a gentleman. And, and, and very often, I, I'm, I'm concerned we don't go far enough with that. Here's what that simply means, is that I have to engage Him on a regular basis. He's not just going to take control of a situation. I've had people say, boy, we had a good service last night. Holy Spirit just took over. No, He didn't. Somebody yielded. Somebody yielded and gave him a right to do it. And when I say somebody, the head of that church, that, that service, yielded and gave the Holy Spirit the right to do what he did. Amen. If you've ever been in a service where things started going a certain direction and the Holy Spirit was moving things a certain direction and someone in leadership stood up and stopped it or took it another direction and it felt like everything, it just, boom. Well, what happened? The one that could cause things to happen quit moving. He didn't leave because he can't leave. He's in each of us. But he quit moving. He quit presenting himself. He quit, he quit operating. I have to engage him on a regular basis because I need his counsel. He's not just going to tell me what to do without me engaging him. That's what he is, right? Amen. Listen, I've, I've been places before. I used, to, uh, I used to have a friend, still do, but you understand what I mean by used to have a friend. I don't, I don't see him as much as I, as I used to. But he was always wanting me to help him with his church. Man, I need you to come over and preach faith to my people. Well, I believe that's the pastor's job, is to preach faith to his people. But he would face a challenge and he'd want me to come help him. Well, I'm a nice guy. And so I would go. But he always wanted me to come on Sunday morning. Well, I got a church. So a few times I went. And man, one Sunday I'm sitting there. And it's just droning on and on. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe not this exact thought, but somewhere along these lines. What am I, Lord, what am I doing here? And it was like I could hear the Lord say, I don't know. You didn't ask me. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been there. Right? Well, what would have happened if I would have engaged the Holy Spirit? He would have done what he eventually told me. That I can't fix that man's church. I'm not the pastor. When I asked, that's what he told me. And he told me, don't go back over there. Well, that, that can seem harsh. But at the same time, it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because you're engaging him. Does that make sense? So he wants to be my teacher, but I have to engage him. You know, I learned something. Some years ago, I was taking some college courses, Pastor Michelle and I, and uh, uh, we were sitting there in the class. And, you know, I was, I was uh, in my 40s by that time. And uh, uh, so, you know, we were like the grandma and grandpa in the group. Everyone there is about Sarah's age, and uh, uh, hallelujah. 
And uh, I remember the professor stood up. Eugenio Gonzalez was his name. And he stood up and he made it very clear. I will give you the assignment. I will even tell you where to find the answers and what page to read. But I won't do the work for you. Now, how, how easy is that? That's a teacher. I'll show you where to find the answer. I'll tell you what page to read. I'll tell you what book to read. But I can't do the work for you. You have to engage the information. So the Holy Spirit wants to teach you. What does He want to teach you? Whatever you need to know. And things you don't know. Is that right? Well, how do I do this? Ask the teacher. You've got to engage him. And then don't do anything till you hear. If you don't know what to do, don't just do something because you need to do something. Right? It's like the two guys that were on the boat and it was sinking. And one of them looked at the other one and said, well, we ought to do something religious, I guess. He said, well, what do you think? He said, well, let's take up an offering. That, that wasn't the answer. That, that wasn't the answer. You don't want to just do something. The best thing to do when you don't know what to do is stop. Stop until you hear from the teacher. There's a flow for that. I say there's a flow for that. Amen. That's why the presence of God is on the inside of you. I don't need someone to draw the Holy Spirit out for me. I have access to Him myself. And if I will just stop and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me here. If there's something clouding my view or something blinding my mind, help me, show me what it is so I can get it out of the way so I can learn what you're trying to teach me. Amen. Whew. You're believing with me, right? He said he would counsel you. Counsel you. Do you know right now in this service the Holy Spirit's counseling you? I don't mind counseling marriages. I, 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 matter of fact, I get a certain enjoyment out of it, trying to help people. But I've told people for years, I don't mind you calling the office and setting up an appointment to talk to me and my wife. But here's the thing. If you'll just come together and, and come to church, there are things the Holy Spirit will tell you that will fix your marriage while you're just sitting in church. Why? Because He's counseling you. Amen. But I've got to engage Him. Then he said he would advise you. That's important because that's different than teaching and counseling. That's advice. This is what you need to do. We need that. And then he said he'd coach us. <laughs> coach. Well, that's showing you how to do things, the correct way to do things. I like it best this way, though. That is giving you the game plan. The coach will give you a game plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how in the fourth quarter we're going to do this. In the third quarter we're going to do this. You're going to get the ball here and you're going to take it here. Coaching. That's part of that flow showing you things to come. Isn't it great to know I never have to have a blind day in my life because I can know what's coming and be prepared for it because I have this flow? Isn't this great? But comforter is a relationship word. It's a side-by-side -side relationship. 
And, and I'll tell you why. We've talked about this word because it's the Greek word parakletos. And it means one called alongside. One called alongside. And one definition says called alongside to help. So that's the primary calling of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. That the Holy Spirit is called to do certain things. It's a calling just like a ministry calling a pastor, evangelist, or, or teacher. It's what the Holy Spirit is called to do. He's called to help you. When Jesus prayed the Father, or asked the Father, send that comforter to the people that, that I have left, that was why. So that He could come alongside and help us. Oh, glory to God. That's His primary calling. And so you're never without help, never without advice, never without wisdom, never without counsel. That, as a matter of fact, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might, all of those things. He can only do what Jesus said He would do, teach you all things. He can only do that if He is the preeminent teacher in the world, and He is. There's nothing He doesn't know. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've had people say, well, what do you think is going to happen? Well, ask the Spirit. Let's find out. Listen, when you hear somebody, and, and you know, in the day and age we live in, anybody from any place in the world can get on YouTube and say, God said this to me. I've learned something. If it produces fear in you, it's not God. I'm just going to touch on this. Is this okay? I, I, somebody sent my wife a message the other day about a, a minister that had uh, sent out a, a video. And, and I, don't, I didn't watch it. I'm not going to watch it, but I know the gist of it. And, and, you know, that all these bad things were going to happen and all this. And I told my wife, I said, the problem with that is he's speaking that to church people. And according to Matthew 24, Luke 21... Revelation 1, 2, and 3, we're not even here when all that stuff starts happening. See, the Holy Spirit will bring those things to your remembrance. Well, I saw the United States as a wasteland. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a few reasons. But the number one reason that I don't believe that is we still fund the largest percentage of the gospel in the entire world. We are still responsible, this nation, for funding it. And if you believe, now I don't necessarily see it eye to eye with everybody, but if you believe what the Bible says, it says this gospel will be preached into all the world as a witness to me and then the end will come. Whatever how you believe that, whatever context you believe, here's the issue. The gospel's still got to be getting out. And he's using this nation to get the largest percentage of it into the world. Consult the spirit of truth. People can miss it. The Holy Ghost can't. And if you're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll always have an ear to the truth. Amen. I remember one time there was a, it wasn't a new doctrine, but it was a doctrine that came into the church some years ago. 
And uh, people started going wholeheartedly after it. I had friends that went wholeheartedly after it. And every time I would think about it, it was just, it wasn't right in my spirit. Now, I'm not saying I knew more than anybody. I'm just saying. And uh, I was sitting on the front row of the church one time. And I was asking the Lord. You know, worship was going on. I think the offering was going on. Pastor Michelle was receiving the offering. And no, I wasn't ignoring her, but I was listening to the spirit. Yeah, be careful with that. But uh, I was sitting there and I was saying, Lord, if this is right, I don't want to miss it. I mean, if the next great thing you want to do is have people hanging on the chandeliers and running pews, I want to be right in the middle of it. I mean, if that's a pew doctrine, I want it. But the Lord said something to me. He said, stay with your fathers and you'll stay safe. He said, you preach the word of faith in the manner that you learned it, and you'll be okay. So I always go back to the voices that have spoken into my life truth in the past. What are they saying? If they're not on board with that, I'm not on board with it. What did the, what did the spirit of truth say to us and say to others, right? He said that in this, this year of 2020... That there would come, if you, he said, if you can imagine, an even wider gap between what the world believes and what we believe. It didn't think, we, I didn't think it could get any bigger, and boy, it did. Well, that's the spirit of truth. But he also said, those that will stand for and on my word will see a manifestation of my word in their lives like they've never seen before. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. Because that's the spirit of truth. All around us, all around the world, there are things that are going on and people are saying things. Folks, listen, I'm telling you, Scripture tells us what's going to happen. Amen. And, and I've had people say, is, is life ever going to get back to normal? Yes. Matthew 24 tells us life will get back to normal. Why? Because it says, as it was in the days of Noah, before, before Noah entered the ark and the flood came and took everybody away, well, the, the ark is a represent, representation of the rapture. Noah is a representation of the righteous. Amen. And it says before that event of the rapture that people are going to be marrying, giving in marriage, eating and drinking, just going on like normal. And what's going to happen? The rapture is going to come and we're all out of here. But the point that I'm making is before the rapture, it says life will be normal. We're going to face challenges, but the spirit of truth tells us everything's going to get back to normal. But here's the thing. There are so many in the world right now. There's so many people in the world right now that are going the exact opposite direction that they need to be going. Destruction and devastation will come into their lives because they're not turning the way that they should be turning in this season. But for those of us that are following the Holy Spirit... We're going to come out of this season better off, more blessed, more prosperous, more well. Why? Because everything the unrighteous give up, the righteous receive. Whew. Glory be to God. But that you, you've got to listen to the spirit of truth. Amen. Am I helping you this morning? So that he calls him the spirit of truth or the spirit of the truth, in John 16 and 13. 
albeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Now, notice something. I can trust him and his leading because his counsel is truth. Truth is defined by one person as the highest, uh, uh, the highest form of reality that exists. Truth. He is the spirit of the truth. I can trust his counsel because he's the spirit of the truth, which immediately connects him and ties him into the word. He's the spirit of the truth. He can bring the truth to your remembrance because he's the spirit of the truth. Hallelujah. So I can trust his counsel because his counsel is truth. Do you see that? Well, how do you know that's going to happen? Because the Holy Spirit said, yeah, but it doesn't look like it doesn't matter. When you hear truth, right? When you hear truth, that settles the issue. So you can trust him and his leading because his counsel is truth. There are people that I don't trust as far as I can throw them. Why, Pastor? They've lied to me too many times. But there are people, people in this room, people that I know, that, that every time they've ever told me something, they did exactly what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it. I trust them. And if they tell me I'm going to do such and such, I believe it because nothing but truth has ever come out of their mouth. Right? You know, when we say things like God cannot lie, remember? The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost can't lie. God never changes. Holy Spirit never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So is the Holy Spirit. So his counsel is truth. Glory to God. It said he would guide us. Notice the second part of that verse. He will guide us into all truth. I like this because it means a tour guide. Hmm. Or one who guides on an excursion. I don't know if you've ever had a tour guide. I have in, in, in some instances. You know, there are places that you can't see by yourself because you don't know they're there. But if you have a tour guide, he knows where everything's at. And he'll take you and show you all these things. There are things I don't know where to access them, but I have a tour guide on the inside of me that will take me and show me even the hidden things that have never entered into my mind. That's what 1 Corinthians 2 says. That the things that the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, it's not entered into the heart of man that God has prepared for us, they are revealed to us by the tour guide, the spirit of truth. They're revealed to us by Him. Glory to God. So when you look at somebody and you go, everything's going to be okay, and they say, how do you know? My tour guide told me. Right? The tour guide let me in on it. Glory to God. Isn't that great? Isn't it good to have inside information? Amen. To know that when you get up tomorrow morning that you're going to see a brighter day and a better day and everything's going to go your way. Why? Because that's what the Spirit says. Yeah, but yeah, but you look at the world and nothing's changed. See, that's, that's not what the Spirit of truth is saying. 
Things have changed. Things are getting better, right? Why? Because the Word says they will. For you and me, we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. The pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Yeah, but you know the day we live in. There's not a, there's not, there's not a parenthetical statement next to that scripture that says the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter except for the day you're living in. It's not what it says. If you're the righteous, your pathway gets brighter and brighter. And the goal is a perfect day. Whew. Am I helping you this morning? The Holy Spirit will never be our guide if we don't trust Him. Got to trust Him. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been following anybody and you don't know where they're going. And maybe you say out loud, well, where are they going? Well, you don't know. Just follow. <laughs> right? right? That's why you're following, because you don't know where you're going. The Holy Spirit will never be our guide if I don't trust Him. Say it out loud. I trust the Holy Spirit. Say it one more time. I trust the Holy Spirit. See, it's so, so important. Because He won't guide me if I don't trust Him. So I have to build a foundation of trust with Him to benefit from His leading, to benefit from His guiding. i got to build a foundation of trust with Him. And it starts with you declaring consistently, I trust the Holy Ghost. I trust the Holy Ghost. Well, what if I step out and I miss it? Not what if, you will. You're going to miss it. But you're missing it trying to follow. Glory to God. I would rather miss it trying to follow the Holy Spirit than do without by not accessing Him. Because when you miss it, He'll be right there to teach you why. Amen. I've had people come to me before and say, Well, Pastor, you know, I'd like to move in the gifts, but I'm afraid I'll embarrass myself. Well, you might. But the Holy Spirit will be right there to teach you, right there to train you. You can't be a supernatural church. If people aren't operating in the supernatural, right? Where does that operating in the supernatural come begin? With you having a relationship of trust built with the Holy Ghost. That you know His voice. Hallelujah. Mm. So Jesus knew if we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will tell us all that we need to know. But I have to have a relationship with him. If you know somebody that has a certain information that you need and you have a relationship with them, if you're not benefiting from that information, it's because you're not utilizing the relationship. I used to have a guy in, in uh, uh, the church that owned his uh, uh, own auto shop and uh, for years. And, uh, uh, of course... Uh, he was my information. If I needed a price or needed to know, right, why is my car making this noise or whatever the case may be. Well, I would call him and he would let me know. That was wonderful to have my own mechanic. Didn't have to wait in line. To show up, get your car worked on. Well, you have the Holy Spirit on speed dial. 
You have all that information, if we could say it this way, at your fingertips. And he'll tell you everything you need to know. Amen. Everything you need to know. Jesus does something. He repeats and emphasizes two central truths about the Holy Spirit. Number one, he said he's the comforter. And he said this four times in three chapters. He called him the comforter. And we talked about the word comforter means to teach, to counsel, to advise, to coach. And then three times in three chapters, he called him the spirit of truth. He emphasizes these two truths, central truths about the Holy Spirit. He is the comforter and he's the spirit of truth. Now notice Romans 8. Romans 8. When I come to know a person, and the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not an entity. He's a person. Uh, we know that he's a person because he has mental faculties. He has physical capabilities. He has physical attributes. Uh, the scripture says that, uh, 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 you know, he can be grieved. The scripture says he can be offended. Uh, the scripture says he can be pleased. And so you don't have to have a body to be a person. You just have to have the traits that make up a person. So he is a person. Right? Romans 8, 14, notice what it says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now here's what this pictures. The Holy Spirit out front and us following along. Led by the Spirit of God. Now that's important. That, that leads me to understand that the Holy Spirit has a pace. And I'm to be led. Not pulled. Not forced. I'll hear people say, well, God finally made me do that. No, he didn't. God doesn't make anybody do anything. That, that is so important where the leading of the Holy Spirit is concerned. Because I've had people say, well, you know, if I, and, and it's better to say this. I finally gave in to what God was asking me to do. Because, you know, if, and now I'm going to preface it with this. God will not do this because it would be a violation of your free will. But God being who God is, he could make anybody do anything he wanted them to do anytime he wanted them to do it because he's God. He can make you do it and you don't even want to do it. Because if need be, he could just pick you up and make you do it. But because he won't violate free will, he gives the believer this lead, this guide on the inside of us that will lead us as the children of God. What do I have to do? Give in to that leading. Because he's not going to make me do it. Amen. If God makes someone do something, then I did not do it out of my free will, and I did not do it because I love God and care about God. I did it because I had to. And God wants no one doing anything because they have to. He wants them doing it because they want to. That, that, does that make sense? So this, is, this, this leading is the right and the privilege of the sons of God or the believer. 
But it's also the responsibility of the believer. I have a responsibility to be led by the Spirit. Have a responsibility. You know, I'm shocked sometimes. No, nobody here, because you're led by the Spirit, amen? But I'm shocked sometimes when I talk to believers and how little leading there is in their lives. They're just kind of trying to make things happen. I, I used to, uh, uh, there was a minister one time that he had a, a, a ministry that was, that could have helped a lot of people. But uh, his constant go-to was uh, uh, raising money on social media. And, and it would be frantic. Oh, we're, we're, you know, the, the rent's almost due and we don't have the money. We need your help. You got to help us. Well, I remember meeting with them in my office one time and just coming to this awareness that there was no leading of the Spirit in their life. Everything I heard was all about natural things, flesh things. And if you said, well, well what, you know, what has the Lord said to you about that? It's kind of like I just got a blank stare. The hand of flesh and the arm of flesh will always fail. Is that what Scripture says? Where, where, where's the success found? In the leading. If you can learn to be led, you'll never be without advice, you'll never be without counsel, and you'll never be without success. Because the Holy Spirit leads me into those things. And it may go crosswise to what somebody else thinks. But you're not following people, you're following the Spirit. I should say that again. When it gets quiet, we need to double up. You're not following people. You're following the Spirit. Because sometimes you'll say, well, this is what the Holy Spirit, you know, and that's why you need to be careful about who you tell what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Because well-meaning people will try to talk you out of it. I've had that over the years. Well, this, this is what God told us. Well, now, you know, I think this... Uh, I had to learn not to listen to that, right? Because that, my responsibility is to be led by the Spirit. If I have been given this divine genius on the inside of me, I have a responsibility to access Him. I have a responsibility to access Him. Hallelujah. Look at 1 John 4. 1 John 4. Now, I believe, and this is what I believe, this is 1 Philip 2, all right? <laughs> this is what I believe, and I don't believe it contradicts Scripture. I, I, I believe that believers will give an account when they stand before Jesus for whether they were led by the Holy Spirit or not. I really do, because simply because of this reason, because there are going to be people that might have questions, or I, I don't know, but... Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this occur? Why, why did this, you know, why did this happen? Why why did you allow this to happen? You weren't led. If, if you're led, a lot of those things can be avoided. It's my, it's my responsibility. Now, whether you believe that or not is, is irrelevant. I mean, what I mean is it's not the difference between heaven and hell. That's what I personally believe. 
Because when God gives you a leading, he then holds you accountable for whether or not you walked in it. Isn't that what scripture says? He that knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Notice that that's not just talking about drinking, carousing, cussing. It says if you know something's right, how do you know something's right? Either you saw it in the Word or you were led to it by the Holy Spirit. And he said if you know it's right and you have light on it and you don't do it, it's sin. So that means if the Holy Spirit is leading me somewhere and keeps directing me somewhere and I don't act on it, at the very least, God considers it disobedience. At the very least. And in some cases, sin. Moving right along. 1 John 4 and 4. You are of God, little children. Boy, that's shouting ground right there. I'm not of the world, I'm of God. And have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Isn't that great? So the greater one, so this is referring to the Holy Spirit, the greater one is leading me. The greater one is teaching me and the greater one is coaching me to victory at every turn. Isn't that great? That's that flow of the Holy Spirit that I have to be skilled in on a consistent basis. To trust Him, to recognize Him as my teacher, as my counselor, as my guide. Amen. There are people in your life that you trust more than others. And that's absolutely right. And there are things that you talk to them about because you trust their counsel. Well, there's one that I can always trust on the inside of me. And He'll never lead me wrong. He'll never lead me wrong. So I just sense this, and, 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 and you can do whatever you want to do with it. There may be those in here today and, and, and you know, you're trying to make a decision, things that you need to, to do, and that can be kind of superficial, but uh, whatever the decision is, there are no uh, small decisions or big decisions to God. If it's important to you, it's important to Him. And sometimes you'll talk to people and they'll kind of give you the, you know, the attitude of, oh my goodness, you don't know that? Well, there's a lot of things I don't know. Amen. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. There's a lot of things he don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. And of course, I always go, that's why he gave me you, baby. <laughs> things I don't know. Amen. Hallelujah. You, the Bible does call wisdom a she. <laughs> Embrace her, and she will do you right. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why, ladies, you can look at your wife, your husband and say, I am your wisdom. <laughs> Amen. And I'm fine with that. But, uh, but whatever the decision may be, it may be something of some great importance. All right? Well, that, what I'm seeing in, in my heart and my spirit is a financial decision. You cannot afford to make a decision based on money. And here's what I mean by that. You can make a decision based on more money and end up losing out. Or you can make a decision based on less money and end up winning. You hear me? Well, if I, if I do this, I'm going to make more money. But is that what you're being led to do? Right? Because more does not mean that's where you need to be. 
Well, it's God's will that I prosper. Right, but if you're not being led. So don't make a de that decision based on what it appears in the natural. Make the decision based on what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Well, I've asked him and he hadn't said anything yet. Then don't move. That means stop. Don't move. Right? So, Father, today, Lord, we just come to you and I thank you that those that are attempting to make decisions, that, Father, they would be led by the Holy Spirit. For you have given us the Holy Spirit within us to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to train us, to coach us. And, Father, I thank you that this church, this body, is a group of spirit-led individuals that we know your voice and another we will not follow. We are called by the Spirit of God. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, stand on your feet, everybody. Praise God. God's so good to us. I believe God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Good to see everybody today. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Of course, we'll be back tonight at 6 o'clock. If you can't be with us in person, please join us online. Uh, we have uh, YouTube, Roku, Facebook, all of them. So uh, uh, just join us, and I'm sure it'll be a blessing to you. We're going to continue with the series we've been on, Name Above All Names. And I, I believe that God's going to bless us. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, come on, say it with me this morning, would you? The vision of this church. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.